DJ and PK, it is time to talk a little college football, a little Utah football with Frank Dolce, the former Ute quarterback, our Utah insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. I guess the question for you is, uh, what was the uh, immediate emotion for you at the end of the Alamo Bowl? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Well, it was a little, it was a little disappointing, the, the, uh, the way the game unfolded and the way that, that uh, it felt like Utah got, got beaten up and manhandled and and it so so and it turned into two kind of two games in a row of the same same thing. So I guess my immediate thought about that game and about the football team was even you know even in the midst of what is a really great football season and a really nice record, it's probably a good time to look back on especially those last two weeks and um analyze where you can improve and as far as utah has come in the pac-12 conference and and as well as they've done the last couple years uh there's it looks like there's still you know work to be done how much do you think that this success of the season was built on inferior competition (laughs) i know you know I, that was one of the other things that kept crossing my mind as the game was was going along. Is you know, what 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 is the competition level like in the Pac-12? What does that really mean on nationally? If if you were to throw some of these other teams out against other you know competition outside of the Pac-12, um, you know high level competition in the other conferences, how would those teams fare and and so I, you know, I tried to do kind of a quick comparison. It, you know, if Utah played, like, if Utah played Texas's schedule, how would that look? And if Texas played Utah's schedule, how would that look? And you know, I, I'm not certain on the Utah side, but if I, if, if Texas played the way they did against Utah, and and then Texas played Utah's schedule this year, I'm pretty sure Texas would would come out of that schedule, you know, maybe with one, maybe two losses on the year. They wouldn't be a seven and five team. Mm. You know, they'd be an 11 and one or 10 and two team. So I think that certainly is something to consider is um, the, the level of competition throughout the year. So a seven and five Texas team um, playing in that conference looks a lot different than than maybe an eleven and one, eleven and two, um, Pac twelve, Pac twelve team. See, I think if they'd done that, I think that the Utes would have lost the three top ten games that Texas lost because they at LSU, Baylor, and Oklahoma. So the Utes yeah. would have lost those three for sure. And then what would they have done with like uh, Oklahoma State, right? So maybe there would have been yeah. a fourth or fifth loss out there. Texas, however, in the Pac-12, 
I don't know that they would have run the table because Texas lost to a five and seven TCU team. So maybe Texas would have messed up against the middle of the league. And I think clearly, speaking for myself personally, I put too much stock in the fact that Texas lost two of their last three and three of their last five. Because then you get down to San Antonio, and as PK said earlier, he's talking to Texas media, and they're like, yeah, this team hasn't been healthy. This is the healthiest they've been. The break before the bowl game really helped them. They're like, well, that might explain how they messed up games at the end of the year. Because they, they, they couldn't beat LSU in Oklahoma, but I watched those games, and they hung with both of those teams. And the Utes didn't, hang, didn't hang with Oregon, didn't hang with Texas. It did hang with USC and then lost the game, but that was a one-touchdown game. The others were blowouts. So I guess the question then is, and you being a former quarterback can answer this, why couldn't the Utes solve Texas blitzing after the game? Zach Moss and Kyle Whittingham were both definitive. The constant blitzing, the run blitzing was a problem. They couldn't get a rhythm going, as Zach said. And that was a problem early in the year. And Kyle talked about it in post games, and he talked about it at his Monday press conferences. And it seemed to get solved over the course of the season. In the past, we've always blamed the quarterback, the receivers, and the passing game for big losses. But I think in this one, clearly, if you're going to go to one group, uh, the O-line just had to be better. How are they going to fix that going forward? Because four of the five starters are back next year. So how do you fix it? Does just another year with these guys do that? Yeah, I think a, I think a year, another year is certainly helpful. And that group has to become... Uh, more more physical up front, no no question about it. Um, I but but I also feel like Texas Texas sold out against the run. I mean it's it's kind of the Kyle Whittingham formula. Uh, we're going to make you one dimensional, and we're going to take away your strength, and then and then if you beat us with something else, and that's okay, we'll live with that. But we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you don't beat us doing what you do really well. We're gonna take that away. So they sold it. So I, it feels like Texas sold out against the run, and um, and then weren't afraid of Utah's passing game. They weren't threatened by Utah's passing game. At least they didn't give that indication. Like they said, we're gonna we're gonna match up. We're gonna just match up with people in the defensive backfield. We're gonna put a lot of people at the line of scrimmage. And and so if you're gonna try and run against us, good luck. We'll we'll let you try and throw against us, but but we're not gonna let you run against us. And then and then uh you know when when Utah did find themselves in a passing situation and, and Texas was still able to get some pressure on, I couldn't it, it's hard to see downfield what's happening on the you know on the broadcast, so I'd I'd still like to go back and see kind of a wider angle view, but it just felt like like uh, Tyler in the last couple of weeks didn't he, he didn't act like he did most of the regular season, and he, it felt like he was rattled and maybe a little panicked. And I think his numbers bear that out with with how many times he scrambled and ran around and, and throughout the year, especially in the three losses when when Tyler Huntley gets up into the teens and rushing attempts or, or nearly equal to what he was this game with Zach Moss and rushing attempts, those, those games don't go well for Utah. So it was, it was, you know, it was a combination of Texas selling out against the run and, and then Utah not, not necessarily being able to make Texas back off with some efficiency in the pass game. 
So there's no question that Utah's program is all sorts of solid, right? It doesn't have all this upheaval, the constant thought of, well, they need to change coaches, this and that. So they're in a good spot. But what needs to happen to elevate it more? Well, I think the talent, uh, the talent on the field is something to consider. It's really good talent. I mean, there, there's no question. The level of talent over the years has increased. It, it's probably increased kind of on an, a yearly basis. You could say the teams get gotten more depth and and speed and um, athleticism and all of those and all of those good things. But let, let, let's look at the let's look at the three. Three losses. I mean, USC. USC is arguably the most athletic depth team in the in the Pac-12, and and that was a struggle for Utah. Oregon. Uh, you could you could make the argument Oregon is is right there in the top two or three in terms of athleticism and talent available on the field, and and that was a struggle. And I would argue that Texas equals those. Those two, in terms of talent, athleticism, uh, depth of talent on the field, and and that was a struggle for for Utah. So, uh, if I'm just trying to do kind of a quick and dirty analysis, I think the depth of talent is one of the areas that can, needs to continue to increase for Utah. It's really good. I mean, it's 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 leaps and bounds better than where where it was in the early days, and. Um, it still needs to improve. So that's one of the areas I think that, that uh, the football program will take a look and say, yeah, this is, we just need to get better in, in these areas. So for all the improvement that needs to be done, they're losing a quarterback who did complete almost three-quarters of his passes, and they're losing a running back who looks like he's going to play in the NFL and probably do really well while he's there. So they do have some talent to replace how close are they to replacing that? How much confidence do you have in the guys either behind them or the guys who are just joining the program? Well, I feel pretty good about the 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 offensive side. You know, losing Zach Moss is not easy. But I like the depth at the running back position. I think out of those, you know, th- three guys that are that are going to be around, at least three guys that are going to be around, then y- you have a I think you have a pretty good opportunity to replace the the productivity in the run game, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's necessarily one guy that steps up or if it's a combination of those guys. But whatever it is, I like the depth of talent at the running back position, and there's some good, you know, fairly good indications from inside that that uh, the the quarterback position is in, in decent shape. I mean. Uh, you have Cam Rising, we've never really seen other than in in practice. Looks pretty good in practice. That, uh, I know that doesn't always mean much, but looks pretty good. And and I think there's positive indications from from the from the staff about him and Shelley and and then the transfer from South Carolina. I mean, I think there's I think there's really good opportunity. Maybe another transfer. I, re- I think there's really good opportunity at the quarterback position. Um, I think the the wide receiver group is going to be fine. Uh, there's not, you know, there there might not be necessarily a a game breaker in that group, but I think Utah proved this year you don't necessarily have to have one of those guys to, to be really productive. And tight end position is great. So and and offensive line should should improve. 
and they were pretty good this year. So I feel pretty good about the offensive side. I think if you're talking about losses and replacing people, uh, the defensive side is where you, you might have a little heartache because you're, you're going to have to replace a bunch of really good and really productive guys. And, and that's, that's, that's just not that easy to do with a nine, Bo two and, um, uh, Francis Bernard and then the two defensive backs and I, I mean it's just that there's a lot of talent leaving the defensive side of the ball. Yes, there is. Yeah, but the good thing is that historically they've been able to do that. So even though you're right, I mean I can't argue the number of guys that they replace. They have to replace. It's probably. I mean we may go two decades with having them replace this much talent, but they still find a way. Uh, it's funny because I come back to the default when I look at Utah's football program. I've always seemed to be more worried about the offense than the defense. And even though the numbers would indicate that that shouldn't be the case, that's still the way I feel. Well, I don't think you're wrong in that. Uh, so you, there's a significant interest level in the on the defensive side of the ball. There always has been uh, with, with Coach Whittingham at the helm. And I agree with you that year after year, with guys leaving the defensive side, they seem to be able to reload on that side with more consistency than they do on the offensive side. Um, and even with even with all of that, I I think you're taking a, a team that at, at each level, you know, defensive front, linebackers, and defensive backfield where you're taking pretty significant hits in all of those areas. So um, I, I believe that there's talent available, and I know that they recruit to, to replace those guys. And even with all that, I, I still think that's the area that's, that's a little more difficult. And we did have guys, there were, there were guys that stepped up this year, no, no question about it. Lloyd was fantastic. I think we had some con- real concerns about the linebacker group, and that was a very productive. Those those two were very productive this year. Um, so so there there's a positive sign. Um, defensive. I, I the the funny thing is I'm not as concerned about the defensive line. I think that's a position group that Utah always seems to reload. But the defensive backfield is is one with with Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman. Um, that's that's an area that that uh, maybe has me a little more concerned on the defensive side. So the Utes benefited from a South that was down. There's no question about that. Is the South still going to be down next year? Are they going to benefit again? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. I, I think that Arizona is – I don't know if Arizona gets on track next year. Maybe they improve a little bit, but I think Arizona would probably be at the bottom – of the of the south, uh, and then I, I like what I like Colorado. I like you know kind of where where they were where they they're headed. Uh, they lose some guys though, but I like the I like the coaching staff and some of the things they did. So I think they'll improve. I'm not sure they're gonna you know beat down the door of it, of, of the conference, but 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 I think they're they're gonna improve. So. I like that. I like that football team. I think Arizona State is one that's going to contend 
they have a bunch of guys coming back, and and they I thought they played really were very physical at the line of scrimmage, and I really love what Herm Edwards is doing. So I think they'll improve. Uh, UCLA showed signs, um, and I just can't imagine with the ability to recruit and get talent there that they're they're going to be down much longer. So I think that's going to be a, a, a tough out. UCLA is going to be a tough out this year. I, USC is the one that I, I, it feels to me like I, you know, Clay, Clay Helton's like the best guy around. He's by, by all accounts, he is, he is one of the best guys around. And, and I think, but the knock on him is that he just, he doesn't necessarily maximize the talent that he has available. And even with that, he still has the most talent available. So uh, as much as you might be able to, Maybe he can outcoach uh, Clay Helton at times. He still has the most talent on the field, so so that makes that always makes USC really tough. Um, and then I think Utah. I, I don't think Utah necessarily takes a step backwards, but but uh, I, difficult, I, difficult to improve on on this team. So uh, I don't think the I don't think the South Conference is necessarily as it, it, I don't think it's it's. You can't walk through it as well as you did this year. I think that that the South Conference, the South Division, I should say, will improve. Uh, and and even with all that, I'd still put Utah in kind of the top three in the conference. I'd probably say Arizona State, uh, USC, and and Utah are your top three coming into this this football season in the fall. Frank, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for coming on when I know you're all beaten down because you just got beat, but you, you came in anyway. Good work. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not beaten down at all. I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about it. It feels just a little bit like maybe Utah got exposed in areas in the last few weeks that, uh, that just didn't show up against, against uh, competition that wasn't as, as challenging. So... I think that just gives Utah an opportunity to get better and and build on on some of those areas. Frank, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me on. Great to talk to you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ute fans, your reaction's coming up. we got a segment for the open phones here, 855-340-ZONE. Michael Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst, AT&T Sportsnet, is going to join us at 9.05 as the Jazz kick off a three-game road trip in Chicago. Three totally winnable games. We will talk with him about the soft stretch of uh, schedule and the addition of Clarkson to the bench. We'll do that at 9.05 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The great uh, Thurl Bailey, kind enough to join us. So you get LeBron out in the West, and obviously you've got some great guards. Your thoughts on Donovan Mitchell's chances of getting nominated as an All-Star? Well, I think he's playing like an All-Star. There's no question. As you well know, that's a popularity contest to begin with. So, you know, we may see Donovan every single night, but there's folks out there voting who already, even before the you know, last year, had their, their picks already in, regardless of whether the guy's hurt or not. So there's no question that he's playing like an all-star and he deserves to be there. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. All right, PK, we just listened to Frank Dolce putting a rap 
on the youth season and you know, his whole thing about, hey, compare what Utah would have done with Texas' schedule and what Texas would have done with Utah's schedule. You know, all we heard about the Utes to the uh, playoff, we never would have heard about that. We never would have spent time speculating on that. We wouldn't have people yelling at us on Twitter, you guys, I'm never listening to your show. I'm all podcasts. That all would have gone away because playing three top 10 teams, we would have seen what we saw earlier. But I think what it does illustrate is, you know, what has the program got right? What has the program got to get better? And I think it's pretty clear watching these games that what has to get better is the recruiting and the talent. And Kyle said what makes that happen is winning. So they won a little more these last couple of years. They're attractive to a few more guys who are high-profile guys. Now, it's what you said earlier. you got to get the right four-star guys because you can land Tuttle as a four-star guy, and if he transfers six weeks in without playing a game, and then he goes to his new school and he doesn't play there either. So, well, congrats on the four-star, but he's not going to help you win any games. they got to land the bigger, faster, more athletic guys because it's just not an accident that they lost to Texas and to USC and Oregon. Those are the biggest, most, most athletic teams they played. They weren't completely without athletes. Washington is pretty athletic. ASU is athletic but really inexperienced. Um, and, and Cal, you know, Cal, when they had their starting quarterback, was pretty good. But if you played them when they didn't have their starting quarterback, they were a piece of cake. They were easy to beat. Uh, so I don't think that game tells you that much. I just think it, it comes down to more talent. It's not just recruiting. It's the transfer portal. Um, during one of the long t- TV timeouts, they have the whole roster in front of you, and I just looked it over. Like, How important are the transfers going forward? And they already have 12 transfers on their roster. That's a, that's a pretty big chunk of their roster. I think that's where – and, you know, it's not that surprise. If Kyle were here right now, he'd be like, haven't I told you guys like 100 times that it's 90% of the deal? It's 90% of the deal. That's where, that's where the biggest problem sits. Yeah. Dave, you're, you're just going to have to pick me up today, man. You're down? Need, yeah. Are you down? Yeah. I need the people to pick me up. Between the dog and the Utes, it was a bad couple of days. It sucked. I know. And we're not kidding about the dog, by the way. His family pet had uh, put in a, pretty much a solid decade as a, uh, a cornerstone of the Kinahan clan. Yeah, no doubt. You, you had yeah. a bazillion walks with that dog. Uh, it's a big, big, yeah. big time blow. If you lost a pet, you know. Uh, many people have, for right. sure. Yeah, so I, you know, I can analyze all that stuff, and we can go back and forth to her blue in the face. But comes back to me, and it's not, it's not bad. So I want to make sure I'm clear on this. But I'm wondering, is this what Utah's program is? Because it's a whole lot better than most of the programs in the conference. But it's not quite what you want. Is this who they are? I think Keeping in mo- mind that this who you are is pretty good. Yeah, I think, I think this is who they are most years. Uh, we had some people I could go search Facebook. We've got so many comments. It's hard to find something when you lose it once. Uh, but there was, yeah, a yeah. Guy, there was a guy who said that uh, it was a good season, but he thought it was going to be special like 08. And I think sure. that's it. Because, you know, the question up on Facebook, you know, do you say good or are they a fraud? Fraud's too strong. If you win 11 games, because you won 11 games. Go back to what athletes have said over and over and coaches have said over and over. You are what your record says you are. And 11 wins is hard to get to. You know, you can go online and see all the standings and all the records. How many teams win 11 games? Not very many. But 
they were 11-1. and So there was the promise, there was the hope that this wasn't going to be a good or very good season, that this was going to be special or magical. You know, this was, and it wasn't that. And that is what people are feeling right now. And you can't blame them because that's what the players were feeling on the podium. You know, they wanted special. Bradley and I, I want to be remembered. If you're the first team, and I can't prove Kyle said this, but I totally believe he did, be the first team to win the Pac-12 title. If there was one thing I felt that was missing in the Alamo Bowl that wasn't talent recruiting uh, linked, it was the goal all year was to win the South because that was the way you got to the title game. And the goal is to win the title game and get to the Rose Bowl. And, and I talked to when they were first climbing the ratings, and I asked Bradley and I something about that in one of the media sessions. He says, we don't worry about it because we don't control it. And I said, you control winning the Pac-12. And he nodded. So we have to win the Pac-12. If that gets us into the playoff, great. If that sends us to the Rose Bowl, we got to win the Pac-12. Well, all those goals they had all year, at no point was Texas and the Alamo Bowl part of those goals you know that wasn't something now they went out there and competed hard but there wasn't that extra little bit of juice and desperation when things went bad at Washington well that was part of the story we got to win this game because if we don't we probably don't win the division you know there's still football to go it could have broken their way but they didn't think it would so they had that little bit of extra desperation and I don't think they had that now it may not have been enough to beat Texas anyway um but I think mostly it comes back to talent. And most of the emotion right now is, hey, you're good. Maybe you want to label it very good, but it wasn't a great season. It wasn't special. It wasn't magical. And I think people really thought they had a shot at that. And when you have that and it gets taken away, that's why you're down right now. That and obviously the dog. Yeah, see, I think they are a fraud relative to the playoff. Not to an 11 wins because you won 11 wins. They won 11 games, and each one of them you won. So that's fine. But I think as far as the playoff, they were exposed. And maybe exposed is a better word. But as far as the playoff, they weren't even close. And I, and I, and I wrote about that in November and took all sorts of grief. Yeah. And so many people were going to come at me. And it turned out, now nah, it's right. They weren't. So, And if you're looking for a 2008 season, forget it. I'm gonna, that's the statement I'm going to make. It's not going to happen. No, it's, no, it's that's what you can't. Don't take away the hope. It could happen one time. It can't happen repeatedly. Nope. It's not going to happen. We're, they're not going to be Alabama in our lifetimes. I don't think they're ever going to be Alabama. Not ever going to ever run like that. But one time, why can't nope. the stars align one time? Because Urban didn't do it at Florida. And there it is. But he did it at Ohio State. <laughs> but you're not Ohio State. Go ahead and say it. You're not Ohio State. But they beat Michigan twice. So, therefore, whereas it could happen. They can have a great program, but expecting them to do that back then as they did in 08. And Kyle even said it. He, the thing that I thought it was important, he said that uh, this group uh, did stuff that other teams didn't. You know, we had the other uh, other mm-hmm. teams. But that was a basically said that was in a much crappier conference without he, saying it. He didn't want to say that, but it was a yeah. different time, a different era, a different league. This is totally different. He, exactly. And, and 100% truth serum, and he never wants to, you know, bleep on any of his guys and disrespect what anybody accomplished. But I think in his heart of hearts, listening to him talk, it's pretty clear he thinks this is the best football team he's ever had. He thinks this football team could light up, line up, and if you can't play across the ages and you can't play 10 times, but he totally believes that if this team played any of his other teams 10 times, this team would have six wins or more against any one of those squads. Yep. This is the mountaintop. So, 
Will the next group be the mountaintop? Let's go to the phones. 855-340-ZONE. Brian standing by. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, um, I just had a comment on uh, Utah. This, this is what Utah is. Utah is basically uh, the comparison to Wisconsin, where people have high hopes for them that they're going to be really good, and they kind of just they end up being about third place in their conference. They're, they're, that's, that's what they average. And you, Utah, I don't think that they have the ability to, to move past that unless they make some major changes in the staff and be willing to move forward like they did when they made that jump from uh, um, uh, uh, what's, uh, Ron Mack to uh, Urban Meyer. And, but, I mean, the one good thing about Utah is they're very consistent. And I think as long as when USC is down, they're going to be right up there. But if USC is good or someone else in the Pac-12 is good, they're going to end up around third place, second, third place. I don't see them moving up past that. I want to argue with you, but that's actually a pretty strong comparison. If anything, they aren't quite Wisconsin. Wisconsin's been a little better. Um, Now, maybe Utah could be Wisconsin if they were at it a little longer. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's had pretty much a 25-year run here of, uh, of doing what you're doing. I, and, and I think the Utes need more of those 10- and 11-win seasons. Kyle's had, uh, I guess, one 10 and one 11-win season in the Pac-12 era. And I feel, I'd have to look up how many Wisconsin's had, but it feels like Wisconsin does that at least once every three years, if not more often. Um, but that's not a bad comparison. That's ballpark. Actually, I was thinking about that watching Baylor, that there are a lot of comparisons between Baylor and Utah. And Baylor hung in with Georgia a little better than Utah did with Texas, and I think we think Georgia is better than Texas, so even that's probably not a perfect comparison. But watching Baylor is like they were trying to make plays and they made some plays, but they were overmatched. It never really felt like they were going to win that game. Yeah, well, you're playing Georgia, which is a really good team. I don't mind the Wisconsin comparison. The thing that I would throw out there is let's give Utah 25 years right. in the Pac-12 right. yep. and then see where they're at because they're still they're only nine years into it and I know everybody wants everything right now but it just doesn't work that way so you've got to constantly build this thing so that's what I was saying earlier when we started the segment being down I'm down in a sense that and I got a personal reason and then also here the season is over which I had traditionally that's who I am because I get so emotionally involved in this when the season starts and I love college football and then when it's over there's a little bit of a letdown it's just that's a natural reaction and, and the dog will take weeks and months to get over but the, the season will only take a few hours and then become come Monday as Jimmy Buffett once saying it'll be alright <laughs> but as far as the program I think it's a legitimate question is this who the Utes are recognizing that this is a good spot to be in. It's not what everybody wants, but it's still a good spot. And yes, I do think they will have a breakthrough. I don't know when it's going to be. It took the Devils nine years to get to the Rose Bowl, and they had three or four right there opportunities at home needing to beat whatever team Washington and Arizona and it slipped away and it drove me freaking nuts I get all that right here this is the same type of thing I don't think they're going to have a 2008 or a 2004 season because hardly anybody has that coming out of the Pac-12 it just isn't there since the team since the conference went to 12 no team has gone 9-0 and zero none not one so to think that they're going to do it doesn't make sense to me. This is a good program. If this is who you are, 
I wouldn't throw it back. Yes, I'd want more, but I would also recognize you're in a pretty good spot. And if you're competing every year, that's good. And I realize you fans, you're, and and I don't mean this to make fun, but you're hungover in the loss the way I am to a degree, probably more so because you're more of a fan. And I do think that in a week or so, and maybe come Monday when the holiday is officially behind us and all that, and then we really get back into normalcy, you'll recognize, all right, that was a fun season. A lot of fun times were had. Didn't end the way you wanted it, but a lot of fun times were had. And let's see, at some point, you're going to break down the door like Phil Mickelson winning the major. Keep contending. You'll get there. I don't know you're going to get there to Tiger Woods' levels because Phil didn't, but he still got there. Same type of deal. You're in the mix. Good program. That's who you are. Pretty good spot. So Wisconsin, since their first Rose Bowl, which was 93, they really kind of burst on. Before that, they were, they were bad in the Big Ten. Uh, 14 double-digit win seasons. Uh, this this is their 14th. And this will be, if they finish in the top 10, this will be the eighth time they finish in the top 10. Now they're eighth and they lost the Rose Bowl by a point. So I don't think they'll drop out of the top 10, but maybe they will. Maybe three teams will pass them. I don't think so. I think only Alabama will. But uh, that's uh, that's not the level the Utes have gotten to. Maybe they can't get there, though. Maybe that is, even though that maybe they're on that path and they can get to that, and that's not the Ohio State level. But honestly, Michigan isn't at the Ohio State level. Look no. at what Michigan's done the last 20 years. Right. And the Utes have beaten Michigan the last three times they played in three out of four. And three out of the four were in Ann Arbor. So we have these illusions of how good teams are. We had on uh, Barry Trammell. And he's written in Oklahoma City forever. And obviously that, you know, Oklahoma's right there. And so he's covered Texas and followed them for a long time. And he was telling us how many times they lose five or six games in a season. And it was a staggering number. It's like half the time they're a five-loss team. And you think Texas is one of the great names in college football, but they don't win at that level all the time. And right now, Auburn and Ohio State are doing it. And Florida did it with Urban. And now they're not doing it for a decade. So if, if it can happen to Florida sitting in the midst of all that talent in a league that's got all the advantages, then it can happen to you. Well, Notre Dame, I mean, you can go down the list. Yeah. Uh, you can just name as, as pretty much as many teams as you want. That's what I'm saying. Utah is in a very good spot. It is a solid program. You didn't get what you wanted, but it is a solid program. And I don't think, even with the disappointment, you throw back 11 wins. You don't, but you want to be dancing around like uh, Oregon was at the end of that. I got it. And it'll happen. It'll happen one day. It'll happen. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. There's been a lot of talk about uh, best game of the year, and I just can't decide. Utah fans, help me out. USC, Oregon, 7-5 and five, Texas. <laughs> 
That's what we need, some rivalry smack talk. We haven't had a Cougar and Aggie dropping some salt yeah, into the open wound. Get on the open mic, y'all. DJ PK. Not today. <laughs> not, not, not today. Not today. <laughs> you don't need not today. You don't need that. Yeah. yeah, we can't have that today. Trevor, uh, so the greatest Utah team ever loses three games. BYU is just so-so this year. Good to know. It's a so-so BYU team is only a few wins away from the greatest Utah team ever. I guess we're not too far back. Well, if you want to look at SC and Boise, sure, that's fine. But if you prefer to look at Hawaii, South Florida, and Toledo, you got miles to go. Hamlet, at Good Sir Hamlet, says, I wasn't able to listen in, but the struggles against USC, Oregon, and Texas are 90% offensive line play, in my opinion. Yes, the defense struggled at times in those games, and that's where some depth would help in secondary, but overall, the offensive line got killed. It did. They didn't have Moss behind him, because he can make you look better than you are. I mean, he makes yards yeah. after contact. And so they didn't have him for a big chunk of the SC game. Uh, there's no, you know, would they have worn SC down and run the ball better in the second half? And you can play woulda, coulda, shoulda with that. With Oregon and Texas, I mean, they just couldn't run the ball. They, they couldn't block those guys. Those guys spent way too much time in the Utes' backfield. Well, thank goodness they didn't have Moss in the uh, USC game because if they would have got to the playoff, based on what we saw against Texas – Holy freak, they would have got their butts kicked. Yes, and based on what we saw LSU do to Oklahoma, is there, I mean, maybe if Georgia had been given another game with LSU, but LSU would have beaten them pretty soundly, maybe not as bad as they beat Oklahoma. I think that it's pretty clear now, well, I guess it's not clear now, we'll have to see what LSU does. I think right now, the three undefeated teams really are a lot better than everybody else, and in the Power Five leagues, Oklahoma was the only other one-loss team. Uh, Bama, if they'd had uh, Tua Tagovailoa, maybe they are with those top four, sure. but oh, without them, sure. but without them, they're not, and they're without yeah. them now. Although, I don't think that Clemson is substantially better than Ohio State. No, and I, I don't think LSU is going to be substantial. I think LSU is going to beat Clemson, but I think it's going to be a good game. Now, if LSU just annihilates Clemson the way they did Oklahoma, then we'll say, well, LSU's Tier 1, Ohio State and Clemson are Tier 2, and okay. everybody else is Tier 3. Maybe LSU so you, can separate. When you said undefeated teams, you meant going into the playoffs. Going into the playoff. I think okay, the three gotcha. teams, Ohio State, yeah. Clemson, and LSU, I don't think much separates them, although maybe LSU – will annihilate Clemson and prove it's wrong. I mean, Clemson-Ohio State, to me, that game was one team made one more play than the other. They were pretty evenly matched. And Ohio no, State it was the refs. <laughs> Ohio State could have thrown a touchdown pass and won the game. By the way, you tweeted at me I was wrong, but I was right. Now the, the national officiating people have come out. They blew that call. And you knew they blew it watching it. You just wanted to tweak me on Twitter. You agree with me down deep. I know you do. That was a fumble. But there was still a lot of game to go. It doesn't mean they would have won the game. There was a lot of game to play. It was an incomplete pass. Well, That's what it was. You could say it should have been called this or that, but it was it was an incomplete pass. It was a fumble that was miscalled by the refs who were, probably should go to work for the Pac-12. Well, wait, I mean, they have, they have replay, so... Yeah, they blew the replay. I mean, that's what the uh, conference and national... You can say the conference office is biased. Oh, okay, fine. The conference refs are biased. But the national organization said they blew it, too. The national organization of referees? Whatever, yeah. I don't know who it was. So you found somebody to agree with you. That's like a lawsuit. I'll just sue everybody. <laughs> and if I can find one judge to give me something, I'm right. That's bogus. <laughs> that was a fumble. <laughs> anyway... 
I digress. I think whoever got that fourth spot was going to get drilled by LSU. They're, they're, that, well, they're that much better. Whoever, I kept saying all year long, let's just have a three-team playoff. <laughs> Jeez, that's what I said. I wonder if it will, because I do think the playoff is going to expand. Follow the money. There's more money to be made by expanding the playoff. But I've always kind of dismissed the idea of a 16 playoff, but this year's tournament. Now, another year's tournament might give you another idea. But this year's 14 playoff is going to give some ammunition to the people who think it should be six teams, not eight. Because one versus eight would be hideous because one versus four was so lopsided. So the idea, go to six, let in all five conference champs, and then if six and five aren't good enough, well, they're only playing three and four, and they'll be better games than getting annihilated by a one seed. Well, I think six is good enough. I I, I would be fine with six. If they let in all five conference champs or if they're still picking teams? No, let in all five because then it sets itself up for a better regular season because – Oregon gets penalized for going across the country and losing a one-score game to Auburn, right? And in the Pac-12, as I said, no team has gone undefeated since it's been the 12. So you have to assume one loss. Well, sure enough, the Devils, against all odds, got Oregon. Well, whoop de doo It happens. And so they go 8-1, and one, but because they played Auburn instead of Chico State, all of a sudden they're out of the playoff. That doesn't seem right. So have the six where the five get in, and then you probably, I don't know if they'll give a G5 or just give another SEC team. My guess is it'll probably be another SEC team that would get the other bid. And to, to me, at least then, it allows you to schedule and why not test yourself at least once in the non-conference and not have to be penalized for it? So as a consumer of the sport, I would like that because I like to see, using as an example, Alabama or, or uh, Auburn. Oregon. W- Oregon, yeah. Right. I was thinking Washington because that was the year before. Uh, and next year, I think SC opens with Alabama. Yep, they if do. I'm not, so that so you're going to tell me if SC loses to Alabama but, and Tagovailoa comes back, we'll find out next week if he does. We assume he does, and they lose that game by one score, and you're then out. they go 8-1 and one in the conference. You're out? Yep, that you're done. That, that doesn't make any sense. As a matter of fact, the whole Pac-12 will be done. We'll just dismiss the whole league like that happened, oh, like happened this year. <laughs> yeah, everybody. it's Groundhog Day all over again it's been that way so three years in a row you're gone as a conference forget it it's ridiculous why do i want to see all these dog games no i don't there's enough dog games in conference i want to see good competition i want to see great games i want to see as much of as ohio state clemson as i possibly can i want to see as much as wisconsin and Oregon as I possibly can. I'm a consumer. I want to see good games. I want to sit there and be entertained. Sports is entertainment for me. That's 98% of what it is for me. It's simply entertainment. I take it for what it's worth. I want to be entertained. Who wants to go to a dog movie? No, you want to go to a good movie. Who wants to watch a dog game? No, you want to watch a good game. So set it up so we're encouraging better games in the non-conference, not discouraging better games. That doesn't make any sense. And the Pac-12 will have multiple chances to prove themselves next year, but also multiple chances to play their way out because they've scheduled big non-league games. Oregon and Washington are playing Ohio State and Michigan 
And obviously, USC and Stanford are playing Notre Dame every year. And USC's also taking on Alabama. There are plenty of big games in the league next year. Good. But will the league be be penalized for that? Probably. Probably. You're right. Unless they win them all. Yeah, you're right. I, I get your point. And your uh, your Devils have played a lot of big games, but they're not they're not playing. They got BYU, UNLV, and NAU. They don't have the big intersectional game. They're staying in the West. Hey, UNLV's got a new coach. They got a new stadium. They got a new practice facility. Don't sleep on the Rebels. That's my <laughs> theme for 2020. Okay, go ahead and sleep on them. Whatever. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We can all worry about the future schedules and next year when we get to spring football. Though, right now, the Jazz, front and center. Your undivided attention. They've already had your attention, but now it's undivided. Open up a road trip tonight in Chicago. A slew of winnable games against sub-500 teams in front of them. The two games out of second place. Our team's going to catch up to Jordan Clarkson off the bench, or the Jazz have something they really count on for the rest of the year. We will talk with Michael Smith, Utah Jazz analyst on AT&T Sportsnet. He joins us next. Stay with us.